Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise the Lord in the heights. Praise the Lord, all God's angels. Praise the Lord, all God's hosts. Praise the Lord, sun and moon. Praise the Lord, all you shining stars. Praise the Lord, you highest heavens and you waters above the heavens. Praise the name of the Lord. God's glory is above earth and heaven. Praise, Praise the, the Lord. Lord. It's Christmas Day. Christ the Savior is born. Welcome to the worship service at McGregor Evangelical Mennonite Church for December 25th, 2020. We're glad to have you join us from wherever you are listening. Let's pray together. Our God, thank you for Christmas and for your gift of Jesus, God with us. We pray that we would be open to your presence with us now, drawing us together through your spirit as we come before you in worship. Amen. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her King. Let every heart prepare Him room. And heaven and nature sing, and heaven and nature sing, and heaven, heaven and nature sing. It has been my pleasure over the last several weeks to invite people to join our Christmas choir. In the end, we have over 40 voices. The largest group of people is from this church, but there are others from the Austin and McGregor area, and then further away from Alberta and from Quebec and from Georgia and Pennsylvania. There are professional musicians and there are people singing in public for the first time in their lives. The youngest singer is four years old, and the oldest is well past 90. Each person or each family group recorded in isolation, and nobody's recording sounds good by itself. But all together, it's a beautiful thing. Thank you very much for each person who participated in this choir. During the season of Advent leading up to Christmas, we light a candle on each of four Sundays to recall our commitment to living in hope, to living in peace, to living in joy, and to living in love. On Christmas Day, we light the fifth candle, symbolizing God's presence with us through Jesus. I invite you to light five candles in your own home as the choir sings. Silent
confess on Christmas Day that even with your presence, we can be fearful and anxious, angry and selfish. We drop the ball every day. We need your mercy and forgiveness as we search for ways to be merciful and forgiving to ourselves and each other. Let's bow in a word of prayer. Our dear God, oh, today we come before you in praise, thinking about that manger all those years ago, thinking that you love us so much that you are willing to descend to be human, to be born, to build that bridge, so that when we look at you in that manger, we can see you in all your glory. Our God, oh, we thank you 
My God, oh, I pray in this season that you open our eyes to just how unbelievably big that is. Oh God, we, we thank you so very much as we gather in the ways that we can this Christmas. Lord, we pray that the unbelievable magnificence of what happened that day, all those years ago, that it is impressed upon us, that it changes the feeling of our gatherings, be they in person or distant, as the situation may be, that they reframe how it is that we see what has happened on Christmas Day, that they reframe it so that instead of thinking about all the things that aren't, we instead think of the magnificent thing that was and what that means for us going forward as well. That you were born human, it means that there is hope. My God, we pray that as we go forward into the year that comes, you set in us just how magnificent that is. Lord, again, we thank you, we thank you, we thank you. In your name we pray, amen. Psalm 96. Sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord. Praise his name. Proclaim his salvation day after day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous deeds among all peoples. For great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. He is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the nations are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and glory are in his sanctuary. Ascribe to the Lord, all you families of nations. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. Tremble before him, all the earth. Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. The world is firmly established. It cannot be moved. He will judge the peoples with equity. Let the heavens rejoice. Let the earth be glad. Let the sea resound and all that is in it. Let the fields be jubilant and everything in them. Let all the trees of the forest sing for joy. Let all creation rejoice before the Lord, 
for he comes. He comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples in his faithfulness. Luke chapter 2, verses 1 to 21. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger, because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in claws and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby, who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told to them about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. On the eighth day, when it was time to circumcise the child, he was named Jesus, the name the angel had given to him before he was conceived. For this Christmas Day homily, I want to talk about Mary, the mother of our Lord, the other person, very important to the Christmas story. I want to talk about her because often she gets skipped over in our Protestant circles or compressed down to being just about the virgin birth. And that is a shame because I hope, as we'll see in a bit, by looking at Mary and how God worked in her life, what happened on Christmas Day becomes at least 
a little bit more relatable, a little bit more real. So let's talk about Mary. For time, we're just going to go up until Jesus sets out on his ministry. When her story begins, she has recently become aware of something that she would have considered a legit miracle. A relative of hers, Elizabeth, announced her first pregnancy even though she was advanced in her age. And it is with this news that is swirling around in Mary's mind that, boom, an angel of the Lord appears, we read, telling the young woman that she will soon be with child, even though that is impossible because she is a virgin. After some assurance, the angel leaves and Mary, undoubtedly very perplexed about what's next for her, does something that is both very understandable but also extremely reckless. She takes off, seemingly by herself, to go see the other person she knows whose pregnancy is an act of God, Elizabeth. And while being pregnant as a virgin is undoubtedly the bigger miracle, I can't help but think that it is here in the story that we come across another time when God is hard at work in the young woman's life. That a young teenager who was pregnant travels through the Judean countryside in the first century alone. Not just travels either, harshly travels. That land is hilly and in those days it was absolutely crawling with bandits and other unsavory folk we know from other sources of the time. That she made that trip safely is something that we to this day may very well say that God was watching out for her that that happened. But then she gets to Elizabeth's, hangs out for a while, and then comes home just in time for her future groom, Joseph, to understandably begin to freak right out about his future bride being noticeably pregnant, even though he has not seen her in months. Again, we see God intercede on Mary's behalf, now sending an angel to tell Joseph what's what, and, and all is well. And then we arrive at the Christmas passage, in which Mary and Joseph travel from their home to Bethlehem. And upon their arrival, immediately Mary gives birth. And here, I suspect, we once again see God hard at work in Mary's life. I'll never forget the day before my daughter was born. Shannon and I were at a friend's wedding in Portage La Prairie when she went into labor, and so we said our goodbyes, packed into a car, and off we drove to where Shannon was supposed to give birth. St. Boniface Hospital, an hour and a half away. I don't remember much about that drive other than the screaming in my right ear, as well as some very unappreciated attempts on my side to distract my wife from the situation at hand, but thinking back about it, though every bump on the Manitoba highways made my wife cry new tears of pain, I can't help but think that it's possible that the shock absorbers were at least making things a little bit better. And so that Mary essentially did the same thing on the back of a bouncing and jostling pack animal for what was very likely days on the road, as we read in the beginning of Luke 2, well, give her credit where credit is due. Even if she wasn't in active labor for the whole journey, I suspect at nine months that trip was a really rough go. That she held out on that journey for miles until they got into town before giving birth, God was with her then too. But then our Lord Jesus Christ, we read, was born. And as Mary looked at her baby son, the trauma of that trip to say nothing of the events that followed it, not being able to find a room, giving birth in a stable, placing her baby in a manger, 
being interrupted by rando shepherds when she undoubtedly just wanted to get sleep after she gave birth. All that, I suspect, at least for a few moments, fell away. Lost in the glow, lost in that flood of hormones and emotions that, while you hold your baby for the first time, forces everything that was the biggest of deals in the world only moments before to simply, at least for a while, disappear. That she knew this boy was the son of God, undoubtedly that drifted to and away from her as she got lost in his dark little eyes and pinched his tiny little baby feet. In those moments in that stable next to that manger, when the one who would grow up to be the savior of all of us was first born, I have no doubt they would have felt like an act of God to Mary in a very different way than it does to the rest of us looking on millennia later when the story of the birth is surrounded by so much else. The time that follows the birth of Jesus, we don't know as much about. Eight days later, our Lord was dedicated in the temple, which is the subject of this coming Sunday service, so I won't steal Leighton Friesen's thunder by talking about that. Uh, A couple of years after, uh, there is a story that involves Jesus showing up a bunch of priests at that same temple, which is an awesome story. Although, since from Mary's perspective, her son goes missing in it, I suspect her opinion of it is, again, very much different than ours reading it. Uh, But then things go quiet for a good number of years. In that time, we don't know much about what all happens in the little family. But because we do know how families work, we do, I would hazard, know a little bit. We know that Mary got to watch her son grow into a man. We know she got to watch him learn to become a carpenter from Joseph, to make things with his hands and how fulfilling that is. We know that Mary had more children, and because of that, assumedly, she got to hear those wonderful giggling sounds of little ones getting into all sorts of shenanigans together. And sadly, we also know that, to at least some extent, she had to watch these things happen alone. Joseph has talked about a fair amount in the opening chapters of the Gospel, and then not at all when Jesus is an adult. The most likely reason is that the average life expectancy in that age was only in the 60s and they lived in a land packed full of turmoil. Life passes by. And after that happened, some nondescript amount of time later, Jesus left his carpentry shop and Mary's precious firstborn went out to the rest of Judea to spread the gospel that God loves his creation so much that he was willing to come be human himself just to hold us all close. And it is that day when Jesus set out that I dare say we come face to face with what I think is the other great miracle of God in the life of Mary. The miracle that we really do her quite a disservice, quite a disservice to the mother of our Lord to neglect, to forget. That Mary, at least in part as a single mother with multiple kids, does such a great job loving and raising her son that he chooses to go out and become the salvation of the world. That he can be that salvation. Of course, the divinity of his father is at play there. But just as Jesus is fully God, never forget that he is fully human as well. On Christmas Day, we can see that more clearly than we ever could before. And since he is fully human as well, 
That means the role his parents played in his life when it comes to who he grew up to be was undoubtedly substantial, as it is for all people. And so that Jesus was raised to go on to be who he was, well, Mary's role in that, that isn't nothing to be sure. Today is Christmas Day, the day we look to the manger and see the birth of our Savior, Jesus Christ. The day God, above all, chose to be born a human being like you and me. To live a human life so that when we look at Jesus Christ, Mary's firstborn son, born in that manger all those years ago, we can know who God is and how much he loves us that he would do something like that just to get to know us better, just so that we can know him better. Today is the day we focus on that wonderful birth, this act that is beyond comprehension of our God reaching out to us. And while we do that, I say we also look at how that same reaching out of our God played out in the life of Mary, at least for me, in looking at her, It takes something unbelievably big that God did for all his creation, choosing to be born, and it shows how that looked for just one person. How big a running miracle that birth was for just one person. One person with problems and hardships that we can somewhat understand because they are the problems and hardships present with billions of women the world over today. It takes that one person and shows how, because of Christ's birth in her life, she learned before anyone else what it meant to be loved by God, what it meant to be living with him, and what it means to open her heart to him as well. That we can see the effect of this blessed birth on Christ's mother and on her life To me, looking at Christmas with Mary's story in mind, Mary, the other major person in the story of Christmas, Looking at her takes something wonderful and huge. Jesus being born, God being born human, and it makes it real to me. Come to Bethlehem and see 
Our benediction comes from the book of Romans. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other thing in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Go now and serve our God. Jesus. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.